Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan band, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday, Election Tuesday. Hopefully everyone's out there and did their civic duty and voted in the election. But we have a great podcast for you today with Keely Yore of USCfootball.com. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. A little preview of USC Arizona State and talk about some of the news and notes around the football program. It's game week for the first time in about, what, 11 months? We're here to talk about an actual game. So we're excited about that. If you have any questions or comments, Email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. We'd love for you to go on the Apple Podcasting app and leave us a five-star rating, positive review, comments, feedback, suggestions, anything. That really helps uh, us as far as growing the show. And any questions you put there on the Apple Podcasting app, we'll bump you to the top of the list. I think we have one today, so we'll get to that in a minute with Keely Yore, who's joining us right now. Keely, how you doing? Hello, hello, Ryan. Doing well. We made it to game week. I feel like I say that we made it a lot, but we actually made it, Ryan. There is going to be a game on Saturday. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What's that song? Looks like we made it. It's like, uh, I forget who sings that, but it was, you know, uh, I can't sing very well, but (laughs) we did make it. It's a long, long, what is it? Has it been 11 months, right? What was the last game? I believe it's been like nine. Well, what are you counting from? March or like? The last game we covered. No, the last game. The oh, last time we talked about the game. Long. Like December super, super to long. almost a year. Yeah, December ten, to yeah, ten months. You're right. Ten months, never yeah. December to November. Like, I mean, you know, wow. that's uh yeah, like late December to early November. Yeah. So so you know, a little over ten months, I guess. But that's a long time for not actually talking about a game. I mean, how many podcasts do we do talking about <laughs> what could be happening? What's this you know, this guy's opting out? Will he come back? Will there be a season? Will there not? Oh, there's a new schedule. Oh, now it's canceled. Oh, there's like so many things like that. And now there's actually going to be a game in the Coliseum. I know. It's it's surreal for sure. I feel like until I see it, I will be I won't be able to really believe it. But I know it's gonna be weird too, just in all the the different restrictions we're gonna have this season. I'm gonna be in the press box. Um, Shotgun's gonna be in the concourse taking photos. It's gonna be funky, but at least we'll get to see some football, uh, which is exciting. Yeah, it will be no no parents or families allowed. USC and UCLA got together, tried to make that happen, but uh, LA County, I think the city, state, all of them shut them down. So none of that. And uh, we do have limited access as far as the. Uh, games go. I'm actually going to be covering the game from home, which is crazy. We only get the site. We usually get more credentials. We're getting a limited number. So we'll have uh, Chris Trevino, Keely Yor, and Shotguns Brattling there on site. But I'll pretty much be doing the same interviews as you guys, right? Because all the interviews are going to be done over Zoom. So I can Zoom at home as opposed to being there in the Coliseum. Yeah, there's not too much of a difference. Just you won't, you'll just see the broadcast version. But uh, you're very sacrificial, Ryan. We appreciate you uh, letting the young ones get to go to the game. <laughs> let the, let you youngins go. Uh, you know, and I, what I might try to do, and I haven't, I'm just spitballing here, but I think I'll come into the office where I am right now, and you know, maybe do like a, a live thing on YouTube or something at halftime where we can kind of discuss the game or whatever. I think something like that would be kind of fun. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some analysis, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think you know we could do something different. Uh, you know, doing the games from home, which you normally wouldn't be doing, but it's a different year. And uh, but hopeful. It looks like um, Arizona State and USC both don't have uh, you know high numbers of COVID cases right now. So at least they'll go into the first game, which is a really important one. Uh, healthy and you know not sick with the, with the COVID stuff. So yeah, if it was like oh, Jane Daniels and Keaton Slovis are out of this game with because they tested positive for the coronavirus, that would uh, that would not be good. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's going to be interesting going forward. Is uh, do we need to be on high alert after the first game for maybe a, a spike in cases? I guess we'll see. But we don't get the report until uh, once a week. But they test daily, so. If there is a spike, I don't think we'll know right away. So something to watch out for in the future. 
Yeah, there might be some rumors and stuff. And it's funny, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, on Monday night, Clay Helton was talking on Trojans Live about, uh, like, I think Sean Cody asked about pregame meals and things like that. And and Clay Helton was like, we're not allowed to do those anymore. So you get your meals are delivered to your room um, because if you gather in a big group and have a meal together, that's one of the way, ways that the coronavirus can spread. So um, there, I think they've done a good job taking the precautions. You head into the season. Uh, it's a home game, so hopefully you don't see too much. But you know, once you add travel, there's a lot of other aspects that come into this, and then maybe we'll see some spike in cases. But as of now, both ASU and USC are good, so that's a good thing rolling into the first game. Uh, but we mentioned the Apple Podcasting app and, and leaving us a five-star rating. We got one, and I think there's a question there if you want to go to that one, Keely. Sure. We have a Trojan MD who left a five-star review, so thank you for that. He says, great site. We'll love to have an associated iPhone app like before, but have gotten used to the website. Any plans on bringing the app back? Yeah, so uh, thanks you for that. Thanks for the five-star rating. And uh, so 24-7 Sports has definitely been talking about that. Uh, there was a uh, timeline where there was going to be something that was done, I think, even this past year or last year. And the, the message board sort of took priority and they really had to upgrade the message boards first. So I think that's something that's being worked on. Um, and yeah, I would love to see one of those uh, as well. Uh, we had one way back in the day. Uh, God, I forget what year that was, but I mean, many years ago, we actually had our own like uscfootball.com, our own app. But now we've been kind of waiting for 24-7 Sports to come out with one. So hopefully... That will happen soon because, uh, yeah, I would love to have an app as well. Android, too, not just iPhone, but yes. <laughs> wow. Plus I was... Android people. What did the app look like, Ryan? That's before my time. Before your time, yeah. So this was back when I was at the other network uh, at Rivals. And uh, the so there was, a, I think it was a message board user uh, from the Missouri site, I believe, uh, Gabe DeArmond, and he... Uh, they created this kind of really rudimentary app that connected to the the rival software at the time was pretty old. It came over and Yahoo never upgraded it and stuff. It was pretty old, but the, you could basically have an app that would sort of like um, you could log into it and read and post on the message boards. It was pretty basic, but it worked well and people liked it, you know. Um, and so he created that for the Missouri site. And then we like a bunch of other sites like licensed him to. Uh, basically, I kind of copy paste, change the logos and stuff like that for our site. So they were really in, they weren't, it wasn't like a rivals app. It was an individual uh, app and they were cool. And then I think at some point, like rivals changed it, like they changed the technology and it just made the app uh, useless. Or it might have been, well, we left in 2014 for Scout. I think the app was sort of going away at the time and then we moved anyway. So it wasn't working anymore. But um, yeah, so it was a kind of a, you know, it was like MacGyver app, <laughs> I guess you could say. Interesting. Okay. Got a little history timeline there. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, that was like seven years ago or something. So like, you know, we had an app then and uh, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I think it would be cool to have it. And I think it's something that uh, users, uh, a lot of users would like. So hopefully we can uh, get that soon. But there definitely been people been complaining, you know, talking about that to the 24-7 sports development people like, hey, hey, we need an app. We need an app. Yeah, and they, they've been working on it. I know we had a full site meeting a couple weeks ago, and they said that, you know, they had to prioritize the, the message boards and get those up to date because an app wouldn't even support how old the, the message board backend uh, was. So uh, it sounds like they're they're progressing on the app on that front. Yeah. Um, I remember being at Scout, too. They were working on it. And Scout came out with an iPhone app but didn't have an Android app. So I was kind of mad about that. I was like, what? That's, uh, that was kind of little janky too but whatever yeah so thank you for the review and hopefully we get this a lot of app talk for today um we got some different topics but you know we're going to do a full-on usc arizona state preview with chris cartman uh that'll probably be coming up on wednesday of this week so check that out also um we're gonna get a little dig 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 i can't even speak now dive a deep dive into traveler Traveler's oh. not going to be at the games, Keely. There's a long tradition of Traveler being at the games. Wow. No I feel mascot. weird that I can be there and Traveler can't. It seems, yes. it seems kind of wrong. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going to talk to Joanne uh, Asman, and, and she's uh, uh, 
you know, she's the trainer, you know, the caretaker for Traveler. And uh, we've talked to her before and a great lady. And she's been doing this for years. So we'll talk to her, too. So we'll have a show about that. And then if you guys want to pay attention to our live show Wednesday night, uh, Tunnel Vision will uh, be talking about USC Arizona State as well. So we'll, we're not going to go too much in depth. Um, but the you know this is something we talked about before as far as Arizona State. And uh, the, uh, it should be an interesting conversation with Chris Cartman because he knows a lot about what Arizona was able to do as far as the pandemic and as far as health officials were allowing. On one end, you got a new offensive coordinator. They bring in um, – Zach Hill from Boise State. He's been getting rave reviews so far. Uh, but you have Marvin Lewis, you know, longtime NFL guy, and Antonio Pierce. Um, they're co-defensive coordinators. And so you don't really know what to expect. And usually you're replacing two coordinators. You don't have all this all downtime. It's really hard to implement things. Like USC wasn't able to physically implement their new defense until like just a few weeks ago, right, in person. Um, so the advantage, and we talked about this and the advantage Arizona state has was they started spring practice early. It's funny in 2019, they would have got all of their spring practice in before the pandemic hit because they finished it in February. Um, this, they spread it out a little bit more, but they got about half of their spring practices in. So that was significant. You could get some of the, uh, you know, they, they were able to install everything and practice and kind of go through, they were starting to go through it a second time when uh, the pandemic hit. So they got about half their spring practices in. But when the NCAA allowed that 20-hour week to work with, uh, you know, for the coaches to work with the players, which typically doesn't happen. After spring ball, you're doing player-run practices. You're doing strength and conditioning. And then later in the summer, the coaches can kind of be on there for, like, agility drills and things like that, not like footballs and walkthroughs or running through practices and, and no pads, sort of like a Thursday practice of game week, Arizona State got to do that pretty much all summer, like more work than the, the coaches had more work than they would have had with the players otherwise. Now, it wasn't tackling and things like that, but this is what makes me the most curious about this game, Keely, is that is a significant amount of coaching, more than you normally would get uh, because the NCAA changed the rules over the summer. Now, USC couldn't do that. The California schools weren't allowed to gather in groups like that, where Arizona State was. And the very first thing I said about this was, before the schedule came out, USC would rather see ASU later in the season than early. And turns out it's the earliest it could possibly be, 9 a.m. on the first game. So that's the X factor for me in all of this, is all of that practice time. Yes, I know it wasn't tackling. I've talked to some people at USC that just don't seem to think it makes that big of a deal. But the people I've talked to at Arizona State, I mean, they really feel like that could be a difference maker. USC is still a double-digit favorite in this one. But we've seen slow starts, like you've pointed out many times, Keely, from USC. This is going to be a well-prepared Arizona State team with a returning quarterback. That, to me, makes this matchup all that much more interesting because of what Arizona State's been able to do over the summer. No, without a doubt. Like you said, uh, we've noted how USC just starts slow. And usually they can get away with that because they're playing a lesser opponent. But if you have a team that has some talent, you know, at, we got to talk to Clay Helton and Graham Harrell on Monday, and both of them circled Jaden Daniels uh, as as a, a talented, one of the best quarterbacks. I think Clay Helton said uh, – at least on the West Coast and maybe in the country. But uh, if you're playing against a talented team that they ha seem to have a scrappy vibe to them, Ryan, it seems like I've been reading some of their, their practice interviews and they feel like they can they can show some, the, the, the nation something on Saturday, you never know what can happen. And that's what we've seen with USC is, yeah, on paper they should win a lot of games, but when you get down to it, what happens? They get outplayed. They get outcoached based on fundamentals. And so I know Clay Hilton said that that was something that they wanted to emphasize in training camp, the physicality, the fundamentals, which, uh, <laughs> to be honest, is probably something you should always emphasize in your training camps. <laughs> but, you know, uh, at least you're identifying it coming into this season. But then you get into last or this past weekend and USC essentially has uh, a walkthrough type of sc uh, scrimmage. I don't even know if you can call it that uh, on Saturday. I held and called it a mock dress rehearsal, which seems a little redundant in my opinion, but a mock uh, fake 
not real, like <laughs> a comedy dress yeah. rehearsal thing, uh, which is just interesting. Um, and and Shotgun Spratling, our own Shotgun Spratling, asked Clay Helton about it, and he said, you know, I feel I felt like we had a ton of scrimmage opportunities, and so he made the call as head coach to not have the team really scrimmage. Uh, he said they had a half of situational football. Uh, that's what they accomplished on Saturday. Now, because USC does have election day off today, uh, there are no uh, football activities today. So they did practice Sunday in pads and Monday in full pads. So the schedule is a little wonky. So maybe that's why you have uh, Saturday go lighter. But, you know, it's just interesting. We talked about it before, Ryan. If you want to have a culture change, if you want to have an actual increase in physicality, you have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone. And, and, one of those being maybe you go a little bit harder on that that Saturday. I don't know, Ryan. And the the thing that's odd to me is that uh, Todd Orlando wasn't able to be at USC's previous scrimmage because he was dealing with a personal matter. So your defensive coordinator hasn't really seen, I don't believe, hasn't seen the team fully in a scrimmage atmosphere since the first scrimmage. I believe. I could be wrong, Ryan. But it just seems weird. Wouldn't you want Todd Orlando to get another round of, of scrimmaging under his belt and seeing what his, his defense offers has to offer at this point? I don't know. I know I sound very skeptical and a little bit like a hater, but, uh, you know, it's just a little odd to just see the same thing that we've seen the past couple seasons leading yeah. up to the regular season when there's been so much talk about physicality. It's like, well, why are you doing the same thing when you actually get closer to when it counts? You know, yeah. I don't know. No, I agree with you. Keely. Hold on. I got to give you some applause. Um, you totally see you've, you've come into your own here at USCfootball.com. You just Dan Webbered me. You just, we were talking about previewing Arizona state and then you went to like one of the next topics and talking about, <laughs> Practice it like you completely wow. Dan it. That was oh amazing. my god! I'm. I hope I'm doing him proud. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to do a Dan Weber. Wow, this is crazy, Ryan. I need a moment to collect myself. <laughs> See, Dan rubbed off on you all these uh, years. But no, well, and and that's. I mean, great points. Obviously, uh, we're. I was going to talk about that in a little bit, but we can. You know, we talk about that now. But I'll. A few more topics because we're going to get into more detail about Arizona State with Chris Cartman. He knows better. Uh, than anybody, but you know Zach Hill, the new offensive coordinator, uh, should be really interesting to see what they do. Um, a lot of young receivers. They probably had the best receiving class ever at Arizona State last year, and you you bring back um, uh, Frank Darby from last year's squad too. But you know, replacing guys like Brandon Ayuk and you know Benjamin, uh, not going to be easy. But you know, Jaden Daniels uh, didn't play or, you know, in the game against USC last year. So that would be an opportunity for him. The defense is going to switch. They were kind of running that 3-3-5-ish sort of thing. Um, now they're going to have a more traditional 4-3. They should just uh, – it's one of those things where they don't want to make mistakes. They just want to go uh, with an attacking style. LSU made a switch like that, and their defense is terrible now. They bring in Bo Pelini. So we'll see what that does. But they got to keep it simple for the guys because you don't want them in, in that different front, especially against an air raid kind of team. That might not be the best matchup, but if they're kind of searching where to go, that could be a problem. So what does the defense look like? Um, that's something to look for. There's a couple, you know, but there's going to be some guys that are motivated to play in this game, Keely. Like, I don't know, a guy like Merlin Robinson, their great linebacker that USC was recruiting and then just stopped recruiting. Uh, Sarah, Sarah High School, I believe. Uh, Jack Jones, you remember him? Third-team All-American at one point. Uh, yeah. I you know, do. there's uh, there's some guys I think – and a lot of the guys probably that, you know, maybe didn't get recruited by USC and end up at, uh, you know, at Arizona State, you know, what are, what are they going to be? They, they rebuilt the offensive line, uh, but they bring in a couple of transfers. I, I just think this is going to be, I still think it's probably going to be, I mean, outside of Utah potentially, but this probably is going to be the toughest game because of all the X factor of, you know, this first one, USC starts slow. They've had all this practice time. I think this is going to be like, you know, the game of the year. And it's, this is sort of like NASCAR, right? When you do the Daytona 500 first, like this is the big one. Uh, and it's, you get it right out of the gate. Yeah. That's why it's just, I, 
I'm really just emphasizing the physicality and how USC will be prepared because you have to be on your A game for this game or else it kind of dictates the whole season. And so it was interesting trying to get some info from Graham Harrell on Monday. How are you scouting this defense? And he said, we really don't know what we're going to get, to be honest with you. And so he said that as a result, he's just been basically, he's basically been testing USC's offense, especially the offensive line. He said, uh, we're dialing up a bunch of different pressures, making sure that they communicate whatever they're going to see on Saturday. So it's, it's interesting just to see how, you know, when you don't know what to prepare for, how do you prepare? And then this is a, a defense who didn't get to play Jaden Daniels. So it's not like they have experience on that front. So it's a lot of unknowns. And like you said, Ryan, it's not something you want to face uh, in your first game. It's not like you can see the first game and, and get that, that film off of that and prepare off of that. So I, I, it's, it's hard because on, on paper, yes, USC should take care of business, but there's so many unknown variables and things that, you know, were slightly out of USC's control this offseason that I can see a scenario where ASU could pull off an upset, but at the same time, USC has no business losing this game, you know? Yeah, you're 100% uh, correct. Um, all right, so yeah, so check out, we'll have our Chris Cartman preview uh, on Wednesday if you want to get a lot more detail about Arizona State. We'll talk about some of the news and notes, but I do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, before we go any further. Make sure you check out, it's November now, so... Thanksgiving, they got their November Fearless Flyer out there. So if you want some cool stuff for your Thanksgiving meal, that may be something a little different. Uh, I'm looking at their uh, featured products. They have a creamed green, so you're always looking for an interesting side. That one looks really good. Apple cranberry tarts, which, you know, I love my sweetness there. So those are good. There's a holiday vegetable hash, uh, pastry-wrapped turkey and stuffing. So if you want, you know, maybe a little pre-Thanksgiving meal, you want to get a little taste of the turkey, you can get that at Trader Joe's. So some cool stuff there. Uh, make sure you check out TraderJoe's.com and their fearless flyer. Uh, at, November gets me excited, Keely, because I love Thanksgiving. I love turkey. I love all that stuff. It's odd. You're you're the one Thanksgiving cheerleader in my life, Ryan. So really? You bring, yeah, no one really is that enthusiastic about Thanksgiving. So I'm glad that you at least bring the spirit every year. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like when I moved, when I came to USC and you know, moved cross country, that was sort of the thing I missed. It was really hard to travel, you know, from the East Coast at Thanksgiving because it's so busy all the time. So I would do like an orphan Thanksgiving meal in my dorm or wherever. Or it wasn't my dorm. It started like when I was to have apartments. Um, so I would have anyone that couldn't go home for Thanksgiving over to my place and I would cook Thanksgiving. And it was just sort of like this tradition since I moved out here. And that was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, you know, so it's been doing it a long time. Um yeah, so I love doing it. And I started like 10 years ago or maybe a little bit more. Uh, our buddy Dan, Dano, uh, Dan Walsh, was uh, he introduced me to the fried turkeys. And so he did that at an early morning tailgate. It was like a noon game or something. Or I forget what it was. It was, it was like a Thanksgiving-ish weekend. And we brought, we did, uh, you know, fried turkeys out at the tailgate. And uh, I've started doing that ever since. So I bought a fryer back then. Um, that might, I can't remember how many years ago it was. It was a long time ago. And I've been frying, deep frying turkeys ever since. So I love it. It's like super juicy. But yeah, Thanksgiving is just one of my favorite meals of the year. And then always make way too much and then eat it for like the next week. And I, I don't get tired of it. I can eat it every day. Very nice. I, if I'm lucky, sometimes I get your leftovers too. So it's I get I benefit from your enthusiasm as well. You like that, right? You like the... Yeah, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fried turkey is pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now I'm getting hungry. Uh, let's see. So... <laughs> We talked about that they didn't have a scrimmage on Saturday. Clayton didn't want to have like the three days pad of practices in a row. I know that got some the message board people uh, riled up a little bit. I talked to Harvey Hyde. He wasn't real happy about that either. So we'll see how it, it you know that turns out. Uh, the good news though, injury front seems like you know we talked to we heard him on Trojans Live talk about all the dudes that were uh, uh, coming back. You know Drake Jackson is back. Brandon Peely's back. Can I Malga? Uh, Marquis Step had a great practice uh, on Monday when they went full pads with Vi Malapai, same sort of thing. So it looks like they're healthier now, which is a good thing. And you want to go into this really important game as healthy as possible. We haven't always seen that, but it looks like this team, uh, you know, no COVID stuff and everyone looks healthy. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical just about the health, the injury updates, because this whole 
Zoom period that we've been trying to get info from players and coaches, I just feel like you hear different guys pop up out of nowhere of like, oh, he's back. Like I was talking to a player who was like, it was great getting uh, Caleb Tremblay back. And it was like, wait, what? Like he wasn't a guy mentioned in the the big uh, <laughs> names. And then uh, Clay Hilton is bringing up uh, Brandon Peely now as being back, even though when he talks about it, he's just saying that he got into football shape. So it's like, was that an injury? And then even we got a marquee step update today or on Monday and uh, Clay Hilton said he's dealing with a turf toe. And last week he said that Steph was dealing with a mid-foot sprain. So is this an evolution of the foot sprain? Did they misdiagnose the foot sprain? What's happening with that? I mean, Helton did sound optimistic, though. He said that uh, he's been he's been hounding Steph for updates. How do you feel? How do you feel after each practice? But apparently he's doing well. Uh, and apparently Vivian Malpai also had a good practice on Monday. So... How much we see of the running backs, I'm not sure. I think those guys you would not want to rush back, especially if you have a healthy Stephen Carr and Keenan Kristen. And if Carr is as electric as people are advertising him, uh, then maybe you just lean on those guys. But, you know, it's weird trying to get a, a sense of, of where this team stands. Like Because what I said, like you're hearing random guys pop up in, in, in interviews, and that's how we found out about Gary Bryant Jr. and his ankle injury. Apparently he's coming back. And even uh, Graham Harrell alluded to it on Monday, he said it was nice getting the the crew back, <laughs> and he said there was uh there was just bumps and bruises around the the skilled positions, and that really limited what they could do at times. And so Ryan, you and I have highlighted, you know, just the the wide receiver position group alone uh, were pretty thin, and so I think Harold was alluding to that and the the running back. So I again, it's coach speak, so take it with a grain of salt. I know we've seen. Uh, Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr in 2019. It sounds good. They warm up and then they come out for game time in no pad. So to me, it's one of those when I see it, I'll believe it as far as injuries. And I'm excited at least to get a sense of where everyone stands with the game and kind of have a, a track record or start tracking in an Excel sheet everyone's injuries and if they're playing or not. Because otherwise, there's no way we can really know without seeing practice. So that's just one of the weird uh, wrinkles of the 2020 season. Yeah, weird, weird wrinkles for sure. And uh, you mentioned the coach speak stuff. We got to hear from Clay Helton twice on Monday. There was Trojans Live, uh, and then he had a Zoom call in the morning. And then because of the election and everyone gets a day off for Tuesday, uh, we heard from Graham Harrell and uh, Keevan Slovis and Amon Ra St. Brown. And uh, I don't want to put, I don't want to be, I mean, the cliches were flying. Like there was a lot of them. And, you know, we've heard them before. I feel like it was midseason form as far as cliches go. Uh, but the one thing that stuck out to me was and I, I, it's one of those things where I think Clayton needs to stop saying this. He said their best football was played in the second half of the season. And he was talking about why, you know, year two of Graham Harrell's system with Keaton Slovis was going to be uh, significantly better and, and all that kind of stuff. And. Uh, I, I mean, when you think about the second half of the season, I, I don't think fans are thinking about beating Colorado or Arizona. I think they're thinking about getting smoked by Oregon and Iowa, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, it's just like one of those things I don't think you should be bringing up, like reminding people. Like you can say, like, you know, Slovis threw for 400 yards for the last five games of the regular season or whatever. Like you say something like that. It's like, okay. But say you're playing your best football in the second half of the season. I don't think the the you know the two you know best teams you played uh, you got killed by, and then the two second best teams, the next two teams, didn't have their quarterback. So it it just doesn't sit well with me when I hear that, Keely. Yeah, it's worrisome because you'd hope f in order to be realistic and identify issues with your team and therefore correct them, you would have to have like a realistic sense of where you stand. And to hear Clay Hilton say things like, oh, we played our best ball in the second half. It's like, well, no, you didn't. Now, I can understand if you say, hey, Keaton Slovis didn't know he was going to be a starter and he really progressed and grew in the second season. And, and that's why you saw those numbers that he put up. Sure, I can I can totally get down with that. But, you know. Oregon just plain out beat you. Uh, Keaton Slovis threw three interceptions. That's not a good effort by your team. And then Iowa put up the most points, I believe, all season against your your defense. And so it just 
it's hard when it just doesn't seem like he's saying things that are based in reality. You know, you want your head coach as a USC fan to be a good evaluator of where you stand, where the team stands. And if he says things that are overly optimistic, which is just Clay Helton. So at some point I understand that, but at the same time, like you don't have to say some of the things you say, you know, (laughs) Uh, it's just, it's just a little, it's a little irritating, (laughs) you know, it's just like, we all saw this. And that's why I keep saying that, it's really difficult as a reporter to just get basically telephone of practices. Like, yeah, the practice happened, but we're seeing it through the eyes of evaluators who don't have uh, a good track record or have some credibility issues. And that's why I'm really itching just to get to see this team for my own, my own sense on Saturday. So that way I don't have to rely on, on the coach speak that sometimes I think is too optimistic at times. Yeah, no, and I think Shotgun had a good point on your uh, Family Feud podcast where if if you just hear a coach saying everything was great, blah, 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 it's really, it comes down to when like a player says something sort of rogue that's different than what everyone else is saying. And I think it was like Elijah Griffin saying how much more physical practices were than they were last year, something along those lines. Like yeah. then you go, okay, that's not something that normally was said or you don't usually compare to last year. I tend to believe what he's saying. So maybe that lends credibility to some of the other stuff the coaches were saying that you sort of would have to, you know, listen to with a grain of salt. Yeah. And, and Chris Steele and Elijah Griffin have been known for their more honest interviews. So that, that actually had a lot of weight when they were saying that the d- new defensive staff has a lot of in, in energy and that in 2019, they didn't practice hard and, and all that. So you, it, it's a balancing act. Like how much do you really take, what they're saying, how much do you take it for a grain of salt? But I think from what I've heard, the defense looks different. The defense looks energetic and, and ready to go. And so we'll, we shall see, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, one of the, so I, I gave you guys a plug on your uh, yeah, thank you, family plug. feud. But we got another one. Uh, oh. So because you were talking about uh, the USC's deal with, was it Boulevard BLVD Productions and the hype video that they put out last week and uh, within 24 hours, they had to pull that video and uh, we got an apology from athletic director, Mike bone talked about this a little bit with Harvey Hyde, not a fan. Uh, He doesn't like that. So he'd rather see them like touting, you know, the Heisman winners or Rose bowls or championships as opposed to, like the LA party scene. Like he just didn't like, it didn't sit, you know, sit well with him. He's an older gentleman. I, I mean, I thought it was fine. Like I'm not, I just thought I wasn't cool enough to understand like what was going on, but I assumed like the kids would, would like it. But I heard like the THT guys and they're younger, like they're in their twenties or thirties. They didn't seem to like it either. Um, and they're definitely closer to that age where they didn't like the, they didn't like the rap song as much. And you know, there was, I, I didn't. I didn't feel I was qualified not to like it, you know, because I just don't. I mean, it could be the coolest thing ever, and I just wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but I want to. I mean, you were around it more, and like, you know, you're closer to that age too. Kind of what you thought initially, and then what you thought about uh, the video getting pulled. Yeah, I was kind of a hater of the video, if I'm going to be completely honest. But at the same time, I recognize that I'm not the target audience. I'm not a 16 year old boy in a random town in in the u.s where la is not available to be you know so i i understand how it could be exciting to a recruit but at the same time like i'm very much it's too flashy for me it's it was it was flashy it was cheesy and at the same time you can be as flashy as you want to be but if you're not developing players if you're not winning uh, you're not gonna get the players you want the players that you're desiring and trying to get through this video so I was not a fan of the video itself, but the concept of what USC is doing, I actually am a fan of. So they're partners, partnering with J1S, which is a basically an in-house, they're going to make it an in-house uh, like marketing PR type of operation through what USC created, Boulevard Studios. And what they're doing is basically getting out ahead of the NIL name, image, and likeness market, basically. And so they're trying to not copy what Alabama or Clemson will do. And they're trying to say, hey, look, look at recruits. We don't really know what the the legislation is going to be like for NIL, but we have a plan in place. We want to make sure that if you're coming to USC, we're going to analyze, you know, all your social media posts, the market value for your posts and and what you can take to brands and 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 get a a, a fair price for each post you make, you know. And, and they're going to make it so that 
basically, you just have to come to USC and they'll do all the hard work for you to make sure that you're profitable, your name, image, and likeness is profitable. So that, I think, is a great thing for USC to get out ahead of. And the problem that USC finds itself in is, you know, you can't necessarily wait to get better to be ahead of NIL because you can't, if you wait to get better, then you're already behind the power curve. So it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to have to put yourself out there and be flashy and maybe uh, have egg on your face. If you come out and lose against ASU, but you're at least getting ahead of the curve so that you're, you're not being behind in the recruiting arms race, which it is. And we've talked about how much that USC is just not understanding what recruiting looks like in this day and age. And this is a sign that USC is understanding where things are going and how they want to, and, and how they want to be a player and where things are going. So, you know, it was weird in the sense that the video itself made it seem like COVID-19 is not even a thing right now. <laughs> and knowing how much the USC is strict about their protocols, not seeing players with masks and, and how, you know, flashy it was, I think that's where the issue came up and why they needed to, they were ultimately forced to delete the video. But um, at the same time, if you want USC to be bold, if you want things to change, I think you need to go along with bold moves like this, you know? So it's a mixed bag for me, but I like the fact that they're trying to get ahead of NIL and they're putting together Boulevard Studios, which if you look at the press release and what we wrote about, that's something that professional athletes would pay a ton of money for a marketing company to do. And basically for USC, it's not a lot of money for them to put in. And they're and what they're getting out of their investment is hopefully for them, high talented recruits who not only want to come to USC for hopefully a talented football team, but also what the, the school can do for them in the LA market, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, it, yeah, like it just seemed like, you, you're sort of making Clay Helton like the the hero or the star of the show at some point. And, and I didn't think that was going to go over well. And obviously that did not. But there was going to be the critics about, hey, this is COVID. You know, there's people struggling right now. And this you're showing like glitz and glamour and Hollywood and no masks and all that kind of stuff. So there, I get there was a bunch of reasons for people to kind of be upset with us. But it was really interesting because with, you know, on Monday we had on the Coach Harvey Hyde show. Uh, the second half of the show, I talked to Jim Caval, who is a CEO of Influencer, which is I-N-F-L-C-R. And that's a that's a company that USC signed a deal with. And they've worked with like 800 different schools. And that was really interesting to me what he had to say about how they would um, work with schools and calculate what, you know, different, you know, your different social media reach would be worth. Um, you know, what Michael Pittman's worth would be, what guys like Juju Smith-Schuster have been able to do, really getting ready for the name, image, and likeness. That was kind of like, that seemed more like the nuts and bolts behind what would make uh, these players be able to earn their maximum amount. Um, and that's something you'd like to see kind of hype, but not in like a hype video, just more about, hey, what is this? So I, it was, I'm great. I, I'm glad I got to talk to them and really get some of the behind the scenes stuff. But this was definitely more about putting on a show and trying to impress, you know, like a, a slideshow showing like why they're going to, you know, bolster your social media posts and why you can make all this extra money. Isn't going to be as exciting as some kind of crazy video like that. But yeah, it, I, I think the, I mean, I think their heart was in the right place, but ultimately it just, uh, obviously when you have to take it down and your athletic director has to issue an apology, it, it wasn't exactly what they were going for, I guess. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see going forward how USC's athletic department, it seems like they have a vision in mind, whether or not other people around USC want that vision to take place, given everything that's going on. I think that's something that we need to watch for, because it seemed like USC really wanted to, USC's athletic department really wanted to make a splash with this announcement. And it just didn't seem like everyone was on the same page on that front. So will that happen? Will that be a continuing issue i'm not sure but as far as like what usc did this was the first because you mentioned influencer i think from what i read like other programs have done like a basic like package with companies or brands like influencer but usc tried to do their own unique approach where they customize like how uh, players can benefit and, and what data they're looking at so usc at least tried to put a full effort into this instead of just being like yeah we'll take the what everyone else around the nation is getting uh, as far as getting ready for NIL, you know, so at least they're, they're putting some effort in, in that front. 
Yeah, you got to differentiate yourself and use what's, you know, it's definitely going to be different. I talked to, you know, Jim Cavile and he was talking about it's different in LA than it would be in Tuscaloosa. There's going to be some great things you can do if you're an Alabama football player, but there's going to be some great things you can do as a USC football player too. It's just going to be different because you're in a much different market. So we'll see where that ends up. All right. Well, unless you have anything else, Keel, I think we're going to take a break and jump into questions. Is that cool? No, I think we're good. Go for it. All right. Back in a minute, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Previewing USC and Arizona State. So excited that we're actually going to have some football. And Keely, it's super cool that this game is at 9 a.m. I know you don't <laughs> like to wake up early, but the fact that I'm going to be doing this from home or probably in my office, you get it right out of it. It's like you get it out of the way. If it's a good result, whatever it is, every day, every game you watch the rest of the day, you're going to have Pac-12 highlights being shown where you would never have that. You know, usually the Pac-12 games are late. So, hey, who's on? The later, you know, the, the, the afternoon game, the, you know, the, the, the noon game here in California would be the three o'clock game or whatever on the East coast, the halftime of that game, they're going to be showing highlights of USC, Arizona state, which they would never, they could never do that before. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about all this. Yeah, I, I can see your excitement and I respect it, Ryan. I'm just team. Why, uh, why bend? just make your product better. You know, I, I think if USC played better or the conference itself played better, we wouldn't be having this conversation about how to make uh, other people pay attention to the Pac-12. But, I mean, as far as doing what they can with what they have, sure. 9 a.m. is good. <laughs> I'm a hater, Ryan. I don't like the 9 a.m. That's right. Well, just the fact that I'm not going to be in the Coliseum, that I can do this, you know, from home, like, eh get it over with. There's going to be some good Pac-12 games on. Sure, yeah. Um, the rest of the way, I mean, you definitely, I mean, you want to watch Cal and Washington? Like, yeah, man, I think that's going to be cool. Like, you have two of the favorites in the north outside of Oregon, but Cal and Washington would be the other two. And then USC and Arizona State uh, in the south. Uh, I like it. I mean, I think you could see Stanford get absolutely pumped by Oregon. And then, you know, UCLA and Colorado, Two bottom dwellers in the South. Who's going to, you know, that might be your only chance for a win all season. So I think there's some some interesting matchups there. I think Utah will probably blow away uh, Arizona. Um, but, yeah, there's there going to be some good ones. And I, I think Oregon State's going to be better than Washington State. So um, watch for that one, too. But a bunch of good Pac-12 games. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What's crazy is I haven't even processed the fact that there are other Pac-12 games on. I've been singly focused on USC, ASU. I'm like, oh, right, okay, there's actual other Pac-12 games. So thank you, Ryan. Now I'm excited to watch some some more football after uh, covering USC. Yeah, the big one, I mean, Cal and uh, Washington. So I'm I'm a big Cal guy. I'm a big Chase Brothers guy. You definitely Uh, are. So, but yeah, I'm doing my previews for the... uh, the podcast of champion shows. I got to do all my picks and uh, yeah. So uh, it, it pains me to have to pick against Cal and Arizona wow, state. Really? gets Cal. Yeah. Like I'm not picking Cal to win the North, but uh, I think they're going to be right up there. I think they're going to beat Washington. So I picked Cal the first week, but I think ASU might get them. And I think uh, Oregon will get them. So I think I have Cal at like four and two, but we'll see. Interesting. You're betraying your guy, Chase. I know. League MVP. Yeah. People, I, someone got in an argument with me on Twitter. Like they were ranking like Pac-12 quarterbacks and they were putting like Dorian Thompson Robinson ahead of Cal. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he played like he was talking about when Cal played UCLA last year. He didn't have that great of a game. I'm like, well, first of all, they won. They beat, they beat him. Second of all, any game he's played more than half of the game, 
he's seven and zero. Like he's the, you know the two games they lost when he got hurt in the first half, and any time other time he started, they won the game. It's like he's a he makes a difference, you know. So, um, yeah. So he, maybe he just lays an egg this year. I don't know. We'll see. But, <laughs> but USC doesn't have to play him. So. Yeah. Well, at least I mean I believe Wilner said that USC and Cal will be in the Pac-12 championship game. So we shall see. He does. He's uh, he's big on uh, the the Golden Bears too. So uh, I I still think Oregon's going to be the class, even though they're replacing the whole offensive line and Herbert mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, and and with Washington, like I like Jimmy Lake, but you know there were some losses there too. Uh, they're uh, Pac-12 North is good, so I think there's some some really good teams. I think Washington State's going to be bad. Um, they just named a true freshman quarterback as their starter. USC gets Washington State week five, I believe. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't think Washington State's going to be that good. That's one of those things where no spring practice, um, you know, new coach that came in late, uh, yeah. you know, all new systems, like, you know, restricted health. Cons- like, there's everything's kind of going against Washington State right now. So maybe by week five, they'll be better. But um, I like Nick Rolovich, but I think that's just going to take a little longer. And same like, uh, Colorado, I don't know, Colorado or Arizona, like one of them two are going to go winless, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll see. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah, Arizona's got like walk-ons on defense and and Colorado just named a starting quarterback who was a safety <laughs> yeah. last year. So yeah. like there's there's a lot of issues with some of these places. So uh, USC's in a good spot, a lot of talent coming back. Um, so I don't know. I, I just gave you a quick whole Pac-12 preview. I don't think you guys needed that, but there you go. Nice. I liked it. That's what I do. I do all this factual stuff. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, go to this next segment. Yeah. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always death. Yeah. <laughs> Only a couple questions this week, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where I mime that drop now when you do it. It's just an interesting <laughs> drop. <laughs> <laughs> we did get a question from northern brazil but it was cut off so it was oh, no. sort wow. of like it was hard to, to understand so I, I emailed the person back i'm like we love the international questions but you got to send the whole question in otherwise we really can't read it so. of course well hopefully we'll have a northern brazil question next week we'll, go <laughs> yeah. to. well first off let's start with an email from eric in duck country who says ryan and keely with all this talk about todd orlando's defenses being multiple and exotic are you at all worried that without a spring practice and with so much time off, the defensive players might get confused and miss assignments. Thanks, Eric and Duck Country. Hey, Eric. I mean, from talking to the players and and the coaches, I, it seemed like there was elements of aggression. Um, but it didn't seem like it was, you got 50 reads and it depends on what, you know, what this does or what that does. It didn't seem like that. It seemed more of a get after it, go hit people. Like if you... If you pick the wrong lane, whatever, just go, you know, wreak havoc and, and cause some damage. Um, that's sort of the gut feel I got from it, Keely, l- less about, you know, well, here's the, you know, if this happens, then you do this. And if this happens, you do this. I think I think that was more of like when Justin Wilcox was here, there was a lot of elements of that. It was a, a defense that adjusted to whoever the opponent was week after week. And I think it's sort of, he's been a great coach pretty much wherever he's been except for like USC for some reason. And I just feel like with the athletes USC had, you, you kind of had them thinking all the time as opposed to just going out and, and busting up and making plays. So the feeling I get is it's just going to be more about aggression and um, less about, I mean, maybe multiple looks, but less read, less things to like think about when you're actually into the play. Yeah, and even with Clancy Pendergast, I feel like every offseason there was this new narrative that would come up about, oh, well, he's simplifying his playbook. Oh, he's simplifying it. But then you just see people miss their assignments all the time. So I think anything different will be a breath of fresh air for this defense. But the weird wrinkle of this offseason is that, you know, Todd Orlando said that they had so much time to talk about assignments and to really run through, hey, okay, if this situation develops, if this read happens, where are you going? What's your assignment? What are the players around you doing? And that's something when Todd Orlando was first uh, announced as USC's new defensive coordinator, I tried to talk to Texas people. And what I got from them was that, you know, he's very good at breaking down in an understandable way 
what your assignment is, what you need to do, and how his defense works. And so Todd Orlando was saying, you know, after all the time we had off, you know, that those first practices where you weren't really in pads and you were just kind of doing run-throughs, if you didn't know your assignment, what are you doing? He was like, it shows to me how much you care. And if you don't know your assignment at this point, then it just kind of shows uh, your dedication essentially to this team. So the fact that he's taking that seriously, and it sounds like there's some accountability there, I think is a good sign. And I think the fact that it's it's confusing for offenses, but not necessarily the defense itself. You know, you don't want to have a situation where you're so complicated that you're confusing yourself, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. And the fact that, like you said, Ryan, it seems like they're really trying to utilize USC speed and just pure talent. You don't want to complicate things too much and have those players play. So it seems like across the board, they're not weighed down with scheme and they seem to have a good understanding of where they stand. Yeah, that's the the, the read I got uh, from that. So if it's saying like it's multiple, I mean, there might be a package where, okay, Giuliano Falonico and Hunter Eccles are in on this one, but oh, now Caleb Tremblay or Connor Murphy are in on this one. You know, it's 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 like that. It's not like you're asking, um, you know, those guys to do a whole bunch of different things. It's more about like these are different, you know, fronts. They're different looks. Um, do you bring an extra DB? Is there an extra pass rusher? Or do you, you know, just things like that, where it's a different look, but not necessarily. I mean, it could be completely different personnel, but you just have to know what your assignment is. And once you get out there, it's not about like, all right, I got 50 things to analyze before and then figure out what you're just kind of standing around on your heels waiting for something to happen and you're playing slow. And that's what you want to avoid, especially in college. The the overly complicated schemes um, just usually don't work well. You know, you only got so many much time to to learn. And, uh, you know, if, if, if it's too complicated. Um, it just doesn't seem to work in, in a college environment. You want something that kind of looks complicated to a, to, if you're a defensive, you know, scheme, you want it to look crazy and unpredictable to an offense, but you can't have it be that way for the defenders themselves. They have to like know what they're doing going into the play and you're going to have a much better chance for success where it's just like, well, this would be a great defense as long as everyone executed a hundred percent. And like, <laughs> well, what are the odds of them doing that? Like if it's super yeah. hard then yeah, you know, like, this is an amazing diet as long as, you know, you stick to it and then don't do this and don't do this. And don't, and I was like, well, that's probably not going to happen. So you need to make something that's actually reasonable, digestible, if you will, by the players. And, uh, and, and then you're going to have much higher success. You'd rather have something that's simpler that, you know, 95% of the players are going to get and, and get that right. As opposed to something more complicated that might be a, you know, overall, like a better scheme if it was run by robots but if they're executing at like a 75% level, you're just going to have a lot of busts and a lot of screw-ups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like the litmus test or the the weather balloon, if you will, for whether or not this defense is too complicated is with Palaie Naotote. That's something where we've heard that Todd Orlando has really taken to him and coached him hard and really tried to develop him. And EA, for his part, just seemed like he has that talent, but at times he would just miss his assignment or make the wrong read. And so if he's actually developed where he's making plays and he's he doesn't look lost out there I think that's a good sign where not only is it not too complicated but Todd Orlando is developing those guys who had trouble uh, maybe being more on the 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 IQ side of the game you know so I think if if we see progress from him I think that's a good sign overall for Orlando's defense yeah I would agree with you there well, shall we move on to our final question? It's yes. from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, who says, Hi, Keely and Ryan. Recruiting seems to be extending out to the future years so that schools are getting commitments from high school sophomores and even freshmen. When Lane Kiffin did that as USC's head coach, it was a big news story. Now it's the norm. Early commitments two and three years ahead of, of the recruit's graduation is interesting, but relatively meaningless because all of that could happen, just like what happened with that uh all that could happen is like what happened with that Kiffin recruit. What are your thoughts about getting commitments from young high school athletes? And how does that take away from the recruitment of high school seniors? Thank you for all that you do to keep us old Trojans informed. Oh, fight on and win, Dan. Class of 1962. Thanks, Dan. Well, first, I don't think it takes anything away from the seniors. Um, that's just, it's just a process. It happens. This is a crazy year. Anyway, you can't take visits. Um, you know, the, the class of 2021 guys are relying on the visits they took when they were the younger recruits. And, and if they were able to go visit some campuses, they don't get their official visits. They don't get any of that. So 
they're really this class coming up is they're relying on what they were doing as a a younger recruit. Um, I think you know if you listen to Gerard Martinez and his recruiting rants or any time we've had him on any of these shows, you know verbal commitments mean less and less almost every year. Certainly, the younger the player is, it means even less. Signing players has meant has meant less. I mean, it's um, you know enrolled players have meant less. <laughs> you know, you could see that we've seen guys leave uh, and come back. Um, you know, it, it's happened. You know, there's transfers a lot. You know, we're, you're going to get that rule where you can transfer right away without penalty. Um, but yes, it's it, a commitment. A verbal commitment is is that it means less than it ever has, and a verbal commitment from a kid that's a sophomore or, you know, a junior in high school uh, definitely means less. A lot can happen between now and then. I mean, just just think about what happened between the Iowa game and Saturday. Like, how much weird crap happened between USC getting blown out in the Holiday Bowl against a, you know, mediocre Iowa team and a opener of a six- or seven-game season in the Coliseum with no fans and no spring practice and I mean, no recruiting. It's been the craziest thing ever. So yes, any kind of time that you have uncertainty, it's going to, you know, double or triple in the recruiting world. And this year it's been completely like that. We still have to see what's going to happen uh, on signing day, on the, you know, in the early signing period, you know, on signing day, are they going to change any of the rules? All these dudes have committed to places, and a lot of them haven't even seen them yet. You got out-of-state guys committed to places. They've never even been to that state before. It's There's a lot going on right now. And to make it wor- weirder, everyone in 2020, they get a free year. Their, their, their year doesn't even count. So 2020 and 2021 classes are basically combined. They're all going to be true freshmen. So, yes, this is about as crazy of a recruiting time uh, as we've ever seen so I, w- I wouldn't say getting a commitment from a young high school athlete takes anything away from a senior, but you can't put a whole lot of stock into any of that because we've seen so many examples of to why. Yeah, there's some guys stick with their commitment, but there's just so many people that do not. Yeah, yeah, completely agree, Ryan. It's going to be to see the just the ripple effects of how wonky this past 2020 COVID impact, how that will, will in- influence uh, transfers and and just decommitments. I mean, it'll be so interesting to see just the ripple effects of all that. But Ryan, I, my question for you is, you know, if schools have, you know, a commit that they've had for a long time, and then suddenly when it gets t- closer to them actually signing, things kind of break down. Do you feel that that looks bad on this part of the recruiting staff where they can't like really close the deal or they ruin that long-term relationship? I feel like it just... When you see guys kind of like a, a Bryce Young who was in the conversation for so long and then he's not there anymore or Justin Flo, you know, how does that impact the the reputation of the staff, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I think it certainly has an impact on it. I mean, just seeing, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has COVID, he can't play. And then DJ Lele or whatever you say his name, um, you know, to see him go out there and just ball out and you know, throwing lasers and, um, you know, comeback win over Boston College. That was a guy in USC's backyard. Like nine times out of 10, he should be at USC, you know, or him or Bryce Young. And you know, we thought we might see Bryce Young, but uh, was it Mac Jones? He's like, he's doing crazy good there. But I think Bryce Young would have been fine too. Um, yeah, I think that kind of stuff looks bad, especially when that player that you missed out goes out and has a huge year. Or it looks like real, like a stud for some other program, a rival program or a, a national power program. And it's great that the class of 2021 is like top 10 ish kind of class, but there's still some key elements missing, you know, like, can you recruit a high level on the offensive line? Can you get that five-star defensive player that's now committed to Oregon and, and normally would go to USC I think you got to get over that little bit of a hump too, because Oregon's been the the class of you know recruiting in the Pac-12 the last couple of years, and uh, you know USC getting back in the top ten is normal. Like that's where USC should be. So yeah, I do think it reflects um, you know poorly on the staff, 
but when you bring in a guy like, you know, Dante Williams, who's able to, you know, looks like one of the best defensive back classes in the country, that's awesome. Like you need stuff like that, but there's also holes in other places too, that, you know, one assistant coach isn't necessarily going to fix. So, um, I think this is a problem that's been, you know, around for a while and it doesn't get fixed overnight, but I think they're doing things and, you know, I think they're going in the right direction with some of the the staff that they brought in that recruiting was featured more. You don't have, at least I'm not seeing the part-time recruiters that were all over the staff before. Um, but there's been some damage done and, you know, letting two five-star quarterbacks go out of your backyard, letting all those offensive linemen go and especially go into Oregon. Um, some of the five-star defensive players, the Justin flows of the world, like guys that you normally would get, um, are you able to get them? And, and there's some key ones, uh, you know, this year too. So we'll, we'll see, um, what the staff is able to do that could close with some, you know, you get a Corey Foreman or someone in the mix, man, that's huge. You miss on him again. And he goes to like an Oregon or something. That's not gonna, You know, that's going to be like uh, same old, same old, at least the class overall would be better. But when you were missing on those guys and you had like, you know, a 64 ranked class or something that, that was a big problem. Keely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it sounds like USC, this is what's so interesting to me. I can't tell if USC is trying to do like PR, like damage control, or if this is actually true, but you know, we're hearing that Cortland Ford, Casey Collier and Jonah Monheim, those guys are really standing out and, and they're going to get playing time this season. I've heard that from players and coaches. And it's like, I don't think the players would be on some PR campaign, but I just thought it's been interesting that it seems like they're trying to uh, make a better story about the, the big offensive line class that they got in that, that poor, poor recruiting class they had. I'm going to, you know, take your advice and that's going to definitely be, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If I see Jonah Monheim out there, like, you know, playing, you know, playing in a game and like, you know, when they, they get up a few touchdowns and he gets to come into the game and, and do some things like, all right, they really do feel like he's close or if he'd never see in the field. And even when they're blowing up guys out and he's not out there, you're like, yeah, they're just blowing smoke. So, uh, I mean, to me looking at those guys, it just looked like there was a bunch of projects and it just, you know, there were better, there were definitely better prospects that would be able to start right away or at least be in competition to do that, that they missed out on. Yeah, now, hopefully course. the guys they got will be able to work out and they can develop them and, and they will get in there too. I just don't think of that group that, you know, maybe they have to be in the two deep just because they've had some guys opt out. But um, I would lean towards, you know, prove it. Let me see it. And, uh, and uh, you, know, you know, prove me wrong and, and that's fine. But at, at this point, Keely, I, I would need to see that to believe it. Yeah, I completely agree. It sounds very optimistic, so I'm pumping the brakes on that optimism for now. <laughs> yeah, I've you know I've bought in. I've been I'm optimistic about certain things, you know, but like those guys playing, I'm not optimistic about that. You know, I think there's like six guys that you trust on the offensive line for sure. Uh, maybe a few more you can kind of mix in there, but um, you know, as long as those guys stay healthy, it should be a good enough offensive line. It's going to be a great. The scheme is going to be much better. You know, it's just so much better. Like. I complained about the scheme when the scheme was terrible. I'm going to praise the scheme when I think the scheme is good. It's a good scheme. You can take a, you know, a Keaton Slovis, a three-star dude, and plug him in without him expecting to play and have a huge year, you know? And that's, to me, it's great for Keaton. He's obviously a talented kid. But you needed to put him in a great position, and I think Graham Harrell's able to do that. And I like what they've looked like they're building on the defensive side of the ball. I like what they've changed on special teams. So that's why I'm optimistic overall. And yeah. you lopped off the hardest part of the schedule. Like, so you have the easiest part of the schedule left. There's like two, you know, games that you need to focus on and win. If you win those two games, there's no reason you should lose to anyone else on the schedule. And you, you could be six and oh, and I I'm optimistic that they can actually do that. And you know, they, they went on Saturday. It's like, it's one sixth of the, the schedule, <laughs> but honestly, it's like, more than half, like you, you win that game. It's like, you're more than halfway there to a Pac-12 South championship, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's really just that one trip to, to Utah. And, you know, obviously if you got to keep people healthy and things like that, but there, this is a team that's the most talented in the Pac-12 still. I think they really upgraded the coaching staff. 
And that's why I'm optimistic overall. But I'm not going to be optimistic about everything. And <laughs> those young offensive linemen playing this year, I'm not, you know, I'm not bullish on that. Yep. I completely agree, Ryan. We're on the same page. Nice. I mean, get through those that ASU game, survive in Utah, and you're kind of sleepwalking to the actual championship, in my opinion. You're too talented not to just run the table. If I'm right about these teams, like, I really think, you know, Arizona, Colorado, and and UCLA, like, they're picking them to win, like, three and a half games. Like, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, Joshua Kelly, I mean, they... UCLA lost a bunch of dudes from that team and they weren't that good, you know? Yeah. You know how many out-of-conference games Chip Kelly has won in his UCLA head coaching career? No. No, you're right. None. Um, Zero. (laughs) He's 0-9. He's 0-9. Now, the good thing is there's no out-of-conference games, but, um, I mean, that team, you know, Devin Asiasi, Joshua Kelly, they had a bunch of dudes and, you know, Darnay Holmes and all like. They won four games. Like, I mean, this is not, I, I'm not seeing, you think they're going to win four games this year in a six game schedule? Like losing all that time. I just, I'm not seeing it. It's not like they're recruiting at a super high level. Yeah. Um, I just think the bottom of the Pac-12 South is going to be bottomy. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, we can say USC should go six and zero, but at the end of the day, they can't beat themselves. There, I, I want to like put that out there. Uh, USC could definitely beat themselves, and we've seen them do it before. But on paper, USC should be six and zero. Yeah, no, and that's you're you're exactly right. USC could screw things up, um, but if they just play like a mediocre game, they could go four and two. Like if they just played mediocre yep. the whole season, yeah. four and two <laughs> yeah. is like the, that, that's like the you know the 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 uh, floor. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. We'll see, but that. I'm, you know, who knows? They could go out and just boat race Arizona State, or they go out and get punked, you know, like we saw Oregon do. I mean, who knows? Like we just don't know at this <laughs> point. But I, I do think this is going to be. I know the Clay Helton haters out there, are like, oh, he's still the head coach, so this is. I'm like, I think a lot of things are better. So we'll see if I'm right or not, um, and we'll see if they go out and win. But they're a double-digit favorite against ASU. I think there's X factor things in ASU's favor, but overall, I think USC is still the more talented team. I think they're going to score a bunch of points and, uh, you know, maybe Jack Jones gets a pick, but maybe he gives up a couple of touchdowns. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Hey, a new position coach, Chris Hawkins as well. That That's crazy to see. I know you got Chris Hawkins, uh, on the Arizona state sidelines and then Armand Hawkins jr. Uh, helping out in the USC sidelines. So a couple of the Hawkins kids, uh, on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Should, be, right. should be a good one. Looking forward to it. Okay, Keely. Well, good stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on. Anything else thank before you, thank we go? You. No, I'm just excited to to cover a game. And we got television. We got more things coming up this week. So make sure you stay tuned for all the content <laughs> we're putting out. Lots of content. We've got a couple more podcasts. We've got a live show. And we're going to do our television Sunday night post-game. So that is going to be fun uh, as well. But that's... Uh, Keely Orr, I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.